Inshallah, today we're going to uh, do a short explanation of a beautiful hadith. It's a dua. It's a long dua, lengthy dua, and it's a very comprehensive dua. Uh, you will not be able to memorize the dua uh, in this uh, explanation because it's very long, but you can, I'll tell you how to find it. And also, the point is to understand the phrases of this dua so that, inshallah ta'ala, we can memorize them and use them. The hadith is reported in the Sunan of Nasa'i and the Muslim of Muhammad and others, and it's a beautiful story as well. And it goes that Ammar ibn Yasir, you know, the famous companion, his father Yasir and mother Sumayya were shaheed. And Ammar was the one that the Quraysh tried to torture him. And uh, he acquiesced and he said things he shouldn't have said. He comes running to the Prophet ﷺ. He says, Ya Rasulullah, I've committed kufr. The Prophet says, what happened? He explains the story that the Quraysh killed my mother, my father. They're about to kill me. And I said something, you know, just to get the torture off. So the Prophet said, how's your iman? He said, iman is strong in the heart. He said, don't worry. If they repeat the torture, you repeat what you have to say. And then Allah revealed in the Quran that إِلَّا مَنْ أُكْرِهَا Whoever is forced is forgiven. If you're forced, you're going to be killed and whatnot, you're forgiven to say whatever. This is Ammar ibn Yasir. And Ammar ibn Yasir as well, he's the most famous Sahabi in regards to the fitna between the Sahaba. Our Prophet predicted that the Baghiyah or the, the group that is rebelling is going to kill Ammar. And so he died in the battle of Safin, a shaheed. He was fighting on the side of Ali radiallahu an against the other side of Muawiyah radiallahu an. Allah forgives all of them, inshallah. Uh, but uh, uh, he was on the side of Ali. And his death was a marker for many of the Sahaba that the one that was closer to the truth was Ali radiallahu an because he was fighting in the camp of Ali. And our Prophet said that the Baghiyah group, the rebelling group, is going to kill Ammar ibn Yasir. And he died in that battle as a shaheed. Ammar has a few hadith, not that many ahadith. This is one of the ahadith. So this hadith goes as follows. That one day he led them in salah. One day he was leading them in salah. He was the imam of the salah. And faujaz, he prayed a short salah. And then he left the gathering. Some people complained that you left a, a very short salah. You led a very short salah. We wanted a longer salah behind you. And he said, even if I have led a short salah, I made a dua in it that the Prophet taught me. This is why we're doing this hadith. I made a dua in it that the Prophet taught me that made up for the length. I didn't need to make it long. As long as I have this dua, then even if it's short, it's good. Now this shows us that subhanAllah, in the time of the Sahaba, they wanted longer salahs, right? In our times, we have to make shorter salah. No problem, times change. But in the time of the Sahaba, they wanted Ammar to give a longer salah. Why did you make it, you know, so short, right? And he responded back that within the salah, there was a quality. So what is important is not how long, how short. It is the quality. And Ammar radiallahu an said, within the salah, I made a dua. That dua made up for the length. As long as I made this dua, don't worry about it. This also shows us, by the way, an important sunnah that we neglect. And that is the sunnah of making dua in sajda. This is a fard salah. He's leading them in salah. It's a fard salah. And when he's in sajda, he makes this dua, which we're going to say right now. And he is saying, because I made this dua, then doesn't matter if my salah is short. And this shows us an important neglected sunnah that when we are in sajda, we should prolong the sajda with dua. After we say, Subhan Rabbil A'la, Subhan Rabbil A'la, Subhan Rabbil A'la, after we make any of the other regular adhkar, Subuhun Qudusun Rabbuna wa Rabbul Ma'akati wa Ruh, we should then make dua from the heart. Dua about the deen and dunya. Dua about this world and the next world. And any duas are permitted at this time. Any duas. 
And our Prophet ﷺ said that increase your du'as in your sajda because you will be the closest to your Lord in sajda and because your chances of istijaba are higher. Your chances of du'a are higher. So this is a sunnah we should come back to. Now, when he said this, he was in the end of the masjid, he left. One person ran behind him. He says, Oh, Ammar ibn Yasir, teach me this dua. And because of this one person, we have this dua memorized. Subhanallah, the, the blessings of being eager for knowledge, right? The blessings that you want to learn something. You know, he, when he's leaving, he says, Look, I made a dua, don't worry, it's a good salah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, I, I did it. He left. One person ran, he says, Ya Ammar, alimni, teach me what was this dua that you said. And so this is the long dua that he said. I'm going to go over it phrase by phrase. So he said, what I said was that Allahumma, inni, uh, Allahumma bi'ilmik al-ghayb Oh Allah, I ask you by the fact that you know ilm al-ghayb wa qudratika ala al-khalq and I ask you by the fact that you have power over your creation. Now, the dua is beginning by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala via his attributes, via his power. Oh Allah, bi'ilmik al-ghayb because you know ilm al-ghayb wa bi'qudratika ala al-khalq and because you have power over the creation, before we begin what we want, we begin by praising Allah. Before we say, give me, we say, Ya Kareem. Before we say, forgive me, we say, Ya Ghaffar. So we open our du'as with what is called tawassul. And tawassul is of many types. And of the types of tawassul, tawassul by Allah's names and attributes. Tawassul by invoking Allah with what he is befitting to be invoked with. This is the opening of dua. So Ammar ibn Yasir says that, Oh Allah, I ask you because you have ilm al-ghayb and because you have ultimate control over the creation. What do I ask you? أحيني ما علمت الحياة خيرا لي وتوفني إذا علمت الوفاة خيرا لي. This is the beginning. First, first thing that you ask. Oh Allah, grant me life as long as you know life is in my best interest, and cause me to die when you know that death is better for me. What a beautiful du'a. The default of most of us, Ya Rabbi, give me a long life. No, that's not what we ask. Because no matter how long we live, eventually. And it's not the quantity of years, it's the quality of life. We want quality of life. And sometimes some people live a life where the quality is so bad, so poor, that really it's not worth it. And that's why our Prophet would seek refuge in Allah from living a life until he becomes senile. I don't want to live that long that I lose my senses. We don't want to live to that life that we become muhtaj, we become, you know, somebody else has to take it. We don't want that, right? And so Ammar ibn Yasir begins this dua. He's learning from the Prophet and this dua is, Ya Allah, take me. Ya Allah, give me life as long as you know life is better for me and cause me to die when you know that death is better for me. The next phrase, I ask you, O oh Allah, that you grant me a fear of you when people are looking at me and when I'm all alone. In other words, my heart has to be the same regardless of whether I'm in public or private, right? And in the Quran, so many times, right? Those who fear their Lord in the unseen. The real test of piety is not when people are looking at you. 
The real test of piety is when you're all alone. Is your khashya the same? Is your fear of Allah and worship the same? Let my actions be consistent. When people are watching, when I'm all alone, it should be exactly the same. Again, what a profound dua, right? You want your ikhlas to be so high that is irrelevant, whether you're in public or private, secret or in front of the whole world, you'll do the exact same thing. So I ask you, Allah, khashyataka fil ghaybi wal alaniya wa kalimat al haqqi fil rida wal ghadab. And I ask you that I always speak the truth whether I'm happy or whether I'm angry, my tongue has to be mustaqim. Now some have pointed out, the first part of this dua, khashyatak, is about your taqwa. And the second part, the kalimat al-haq, is about your akhlaq and adab. And the summary of all of Islam is taqwa and adab, right? Taqwa and how you treat other people. And these two phrases combine that. Oh Allah, grant me khashya of the heart. And oh Allah, make my tongue straight in all circumstances. And the tongue, it is the key to akhlaq. The tongue is how you interact with other people. And our Prophet is saying, Ya Rabb, whatever my state, whatever my internal, my tongue has to always be saying that which is appropriate, that which is correct. And this is basically the miftah or the key of akhlaq. So Allah, so the Prophet is making dua to Allah that grant me the akhlaq and grant me the reality that no matter what happens, I'm always saying the best words. And even when I get angry and I lose control of internally, externally I can control. Externally, and that's the real sabr, right? No matter how angry you are, you're not going to get into trouble. But when the anger affects your tongue, when the anger affects your limbs, that's when you might cross the line. And so, even if I'm angry, O oh Allah, let my tongue always speak that which is best. And I ask you, O oh Allah, al-qasd, moderation. Whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor. This is an interesting phrase. I ask you moderation in poverty and in richness. What does this mean? By the way, the Prophet would never ask to be wealthy. He would never say, Oh Allah, make even though it is not wrong per se. It is not haram. We may ask to be of the wealthy, but we should always add a caveat and make me of the generous. Right? Never say, Oh Allah, give me money just like that. That's a fitna. And that's why our Prophet never just said, Give me money. No, that's not really. Even if you want money, Oh Allah, grant me wealth and make me of the salihin. No problem. You add that at the end as well. But our Prophet's maqam is higher than mine and yours. It is not befitting that he asks Allah for a lot of gold and silver. What did he ask Allah? As'aluka al-qasd. I want moderation in poverty and in richness. Now, scholars have differed, what does this mean? The majority interpretation, which inshallah, and there's nothing wrong with having multiple interpretation, is that, oh Allah, regardless of how much wealth or poverty I have, I'm always being generous and taking care of my family. Moderation here, I don't want to be extreme in either giving everything or withholding everything. So regardless of my own financial circumstances, Regardless of my own state, I should always be consistently generous and consistently prioritizing family because that's what Islam teaches us, right? Islam does not teach us that we become impoverished and leave our wife and children poor. We give everything to other people. No. So this is the, ma the majority interpretation, al-qasd. 
There is another interpretation, nothing wrong with this, and that is that if I am blessed with wealth or tested with poverty, don't make it extreme either way. Give me moderation. So, and there are a hadith that I seek refuge in you from the fitna of ghina and the fitna of faqr. And this could be interpreted this way, that, oh Allah, if you give me wealth, don't make it a fitna for me. Don't make it so much. And if you're testing me with poverty, don't make it a fitna for me that there's no food to eat, right? So you go through a little bit of cycles. If the cycle is within a reasonable spectrum, alhamdulillah, don't test me with unreasonable spectrums, right? And we all know that extreme wealth is one of the biggest tests of mankind. Look around you. Wallahi, look around you. How few people of that category are righteous. Similarly, extreme poverty is a major fitna because you cannot concentrate, you cannot pray, you cannot take care of your children, you cannot live a normal life. That too is a problem. We don't want to go there. So another interpretation which is valid that, oh Allah, if you test me with wealth, don't test me with that which is going to be too much. And if you test me with poverty, don't test me with that that's going to be too much poverty. So I want moderation. Even in wealth, make me moderate. And even if I have to be tested with poverty, not too much of a fitna. And both of these interpretations are valid. So I ask you, Allah, Al-Qasd fi fil faqri wal ghina. Wa as'aluka na'eeman la yanfad. Wa as'aluka qurrata aynin la tanqati'. Oh Allah, I ask you blessings that never stop. And a coolness of the eye that will never cease. So continue to bless me. Bless me, bless me. Continue to give me comfort that will never stop. Once again, we have multiple interpretations. The primary interpretation what is it that will give you continuous blessings forever and ever? Jannah. What it is that will give you continuous coolness of the eye without stopping? Jannah. So, one interpretation, which is again, there's nothing wrong, all of these are valid, right? The first interpretation, these two phrases, I'm asking you for Jannah. And he's describing Jannah. Oh Allah, grant me that place in which the blessings never cease. And that place in which the comfort of my eyes will never stop. That is Jannah. But you can also interpret it completely valid. That oh Allah, continue to bless me forever and ever and ever. In every type of blessing. In this dunya and the next. And continue to give me comfort forever and ever and ever in this dunya and the next and that is also a valid interpretation don't we want blessings in this dunya don't we want comfort in this dunya and this is also a valid interpretation once again notice the comprehensiveness of the dua our prophet is not saying bless me with wealth bless me with a house bless me with children he keeps it open leaves it to allah continue to bless me how you know best how to bless me O oh allah and of the etiquettes of the dua is to be jami' comprehensive. Don't specify when you can leave Allah to specify. Why would you want to restrict the blessings of Allah? Oh Allah, continue to bless me. End of story. Oh Allah, continue to make me happy. What more do you want, right? Allah knows best. When we add an adjective for no reason, we add a noun for no reason, we are restricting for no reason. Oh Allah, continue to bless me with, with wealth. Okay, how about your health? How about your family? How about the problems of the dunya? Why restrict the unrestricted? Oh Allah, I ask you blessings that never stop. What a beautiful dua. Oh Allah, I ask you for a comfort of the eye that never ceases. Always make my soul at peace. Subhanallah. This is the etiquette of the prophet of the prophetic dua. And the hadith goes on that uh, وَأَسْأَلُكَ الرِّضَى بَعْدَ الْقَضَى Beautiful phrase here. 
I ask you, O oh Allah, that after your decree comes, you grant me contentment of that decree. We can't change Allah's qadr. We cannot change qadr. But we have to accept that qadr and be content. We don't have to be happy. We have to be content. There's a difference between the two. Nobody is happy at a calamity. But once a calamity happens, we have to have a resolution in our hearts. Resolve it. Inna lillahi wa inna Allah is the one who says, kun fayakun. We must accept Allah's qadr, even if we don't be happy at it. So he's asking for rida ba'd al-qadha. Because to reject qadha is the essence of kufr. A'udhu billah. To reject it. Why did this happen to me? This should not have happened to me. You are rejecting the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet is asking, Oh Allah, when your qada comes, grant me contentment at that qada. So this is the next phrase. Few phrases left here. And oh Allah, I ask you for the coolness of living after death. What a, again, interesting dua. After I die, I want to live a good life. SubhanAllah, when you make this dua, your mentality changes. Death does not become the end, it becomes the beginning. Oh Allah, I ask you for the coolness of life after death. Imagine, you're asking Allah, you're looking forward to the real life. You want the life that is sweet, the life that is good, beginning with the barzakh and continuing all the way to Jannah. Oh Allah, I ask you for the coolness of life after death. Subhanallah, the whole, again, for the Muslim, for the mu'min, death is not the end. Rather, it is a milestone that all of us have to pass. And after that milestone, we want to have the real life. So, oh Allah, I ask you for the best life, the beautiful life, the life that is cool and sweet that will come to me when? After death, subhanAllah. Again, the mentality changes. And the phrase then, the, uh, the, uh, the hadith goes on, This is one of the phrases that is why the hadith of Ammar is so, is so uh, important. Imam al-Shafi'i, others, they use this hadith to prove the doctrine, which is mainstream Sunni doctrine. Non-Sunnis denied it, the Mu'tazila denied it, the others denied it, and that is to look at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It's in the Quran, to looking at Allah azza wa jal, is one of the key doctrines of the Quran and Sunnah. And we, Ahlul Sunnah, we affirm this. In earlier times, there were other groups, Mu'taz, this and that, they denied it. They said, how can we see Allah, this means He's this and that. They went down their philosophical way. The hadith is what? وَأَسْأَلُكَ لَذَّةَ النَّظَرِ إِلَى And oh Allah, I ask you the sweetness of looking at your face. The sweetness of looking at your face. Now, the looking at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the highest blessing of Jannah. Nobody will get it unless they are of Jannah automatically. Only the people of Jannah will get it. And it is the best blessing of Jannah. Even Jannah itself becomes negligible when you see the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا Those who do good Al-Husna will get the perfection of Jannah. Waziyada and more than Jannah. This is in the Quran. Those who do good will get Jannah and more than Jannah. The Prophet said, Al-Ziyada, Al-Nadharu ila wajhika al-Kareem. 
The extra ziyada, it is to look at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Ibn Qayyim has a beautiful passage in his description of Jannah where uh, Salat al-Jumu'ah in Jannah will not be a khatib and khutbahs. No. Salat al-Jumu'ah, there is no Salat al-Jumu'ah. Jumu'ah will be when couches will be spread and people will sit down and gaze at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is Jumu'ah. The Jumu'ah of Jannah is not like us. No, there is no Salah, there is no... But Jumu'ah time, what will happen? Jumu'ah time is the weekly, the weekly time where the people of Jannah will gaze upon the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everyone will be in accordance with his maqam, with his amal, with his good deeds. The more was the maqam and good deeds, the more, the longer that gaze will be. But everybody in Jannah will get that gaze. And our Prophet described it as the sweetness of looking. There is nothing sweeter than that gaze of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we're able to see Allah. And that does not happen in this dunya as we know. Musa asked, he didn't get it. In this dunya, you cannot get it. It is only in the akhirah. That Allah Azza wa says in the Quran, On that day, the people who rejected Allah shall have a barrier between them and Allah. Imam Shafi'i commented on this. He said, When Allah shall punish the kafir with the barrier, this indicates he shall reward the believer by lifting the barrier. Get the point here, right? When Allah says, the kuffar shall be blocked from Allah Azza wa Jal, from seeing Allah. Imam Shafi'i said, when the kuffar will be blocked, and that is a punishment, this means the believers will not be blocked, and it will be a reward. And the whole Quran and Sunnah mentions this, and the hadith of Ammar is explicit. Oh Allah, I ask you for the ladha of looking at your beautiful face. Oh Allah, I ask you for the desire to meet you. To be excited to meet you. Shawq. Even in Urdu, shawq. Right? You want to have the shawq. The desire, the eagerness to meet Allah. Again, this is a beautiful hadith and phrase here. Not the desire of death. Because nobody desires death. But what will happen after death? To meet Allah, I should be excited to meet Allah. And the Prophet is saying, Oh Allah, make me excited to meet you. Give me that trepidation give me that desire that yearning that oh Allah eventually I want to meet you and when we have that desire will it not be manifested in our actions and good deeds won't our entire life change when we're thinking about the akhirah looking at Allah the desire to meet Allah so this this hadith by the way it's so beautiful because it combines this dunya and the next give me the best of this dunya make my life good over here allow me to live as long as I live and then die when death is better for me and I want you to meet you oh Allah I want the desire to meet you I want to see your face when you keep on saying this dua right what will the problems of this dunya be to you nothing you don't care there's the eternal life afterwards when you're eager to meet Allah then you're not troubled by what is happening in this dunya so and oh Allah allow me to meet you but I don't want the death to happen in a calamity that is harmful or in a fitna that is misguiding in other words all of these phrases they they imply death I'm going to die, I'm going to meet you, I'm going to see you. Oh Allah, I don't want my death to be darra'a mudirra. Darra is like a general calamity that is harming lots of people. I don't want to die in that type of calamity. 
ولا فتنة مضلة. And neither in a misguiding time that might misguide me. A fitna happens and I turn left or right and my death comes to me. No, I don't want that. Allow the death come to me when in a state where my iman is strong and the calamity is not affecting me and my family. So we ask Allah for a dignified death. And this is what this uh, uh, phrase implies. And then uh, the final phrase of this hadith, Allahumma zayinna bizinatil iman waj'alna hudatan muhtadin. The final phrase. Allahumma zayinna bizinatil iman. Oh Allah, beautify us with the beauty of iman. Clothe me with the clothe of iman. Oh Allah, allow iman to make me beautiful. I don't want to be beautiful because of my wealth. I don't want people to like me because of my fame. No, my zina. That which brings me admiration and respect, my zina should be iman. Let my iman speak for me. Zayinna bizinatil iman. Waj'alna hudatan muhtadin. And O oh Allah, make me of those who are guided and allow me to guide other people. O oh Allah, make me of those who are guided and make me so guided that others will be guided through me and because of me. This is the famous hadith of Ammar ibn Yasir and you will find it in every prayer book and you can literally Google the dua of Ammar ibn Yasir. There's only one, Ammar ibn Yasir has only a few hadith and only one of them is a long dua. So if you Google the dua of Ammar ibn Yasir, you will find this beautiful phrase and you will inshallah download it and use it in your prayers and you will then increase the quality of your salah even if the quantity is small. Make this dua in your sajda as our Prophet did. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all of the things of this dua. We'll continue later. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.